Hey y'all! Welcome to Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. I'm Abby Artemisia of The Wander School. Each episode, I bring you stories, tips, and tricks from foragers and wildcrafters around the world to empower you on your wild path. Please remember to practice safe foraging by being 100% positive of your identification before consuming anything wild. Happy listening! Come on, everyone, and gather around. Listen to the soothing in this sound. I'm here to tell you that medicine don't come from a pill, it grows in the ground. The medicine we need grows all around us. Hi again and welcome back. I'm actually coming to you today from Savannah, Georgia. It's so beautiful and sunny and I can see the beautiful giant oak trees with the Spanish moss hanging from them. I just love it here. And I'm in the home of my friend, Lou Thoman, who is founder of the Yopon Tea Company and Yopon Tea House and Apothecary and Yopon Farms are all included, plus so much more that you do, Lou. So hi, and thanks for being here. Oh, great. Happy to be here. Don't get me in trouble. Co-founder, <laughs> my wife, and your student, Lori Judge, um, has to be mentioned here. That is definitely true. We love Lori. It's her house, too. Yes, it's her house. She co-founded it all. And without her, I wouldn't be here right now. So thanks, Lori. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks to you, too, Lou, for having me and hosting me and keeping me in tea. <laughs> um, I have already learned so much from you about this wonderful tea, Yopan, that we're going to talk about. But first, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I don't want to start when I was a toddler, but um, <laughs> originally from New England. Uh, I moved to Savannah about 20 years, 21 years ago. I think Lori actually moved here about the year after I did, and we met here. So, you know, I've been doing, you know, various different jobs over the years. I spent my early career as a commodity trader. Mm. Uh, I worked for one of the largest trading houses in the country, Louis Dreyfus Corporation. Wow. In Connecticut and Kansas City. And um, after that, kind of the 2000s, I started uh, investing in real estate in historic downtown Savannah. And I was um, developing historic properties, doing some restoring and rehabilitation of historic properties. And I really enjoyed that. And I sort of built a little business doing that. And because I was developing my own properties, people would see my crews and say, hey, can you do ours? So it turned into a business of rehabilitating and restoring historic houses in downtown Savannah, which I liked for a while. 
I liked it when I did it for myself. I didn't like it when I was starting to you know, do it for other people. It wasn't as pleasurable. Um, so about 10 years ago, uh, shortly after the recession, the 2008 recession, uh, so that would be less, yeah, uh, that's 12 years ago. Right after the recession, which, you know, did clip my wings quite a bit, uh, about that same time, I was just not feeling the love in the construction business anymore. And Lori and I took a weekend trip to Osaba Island, which is mm. a magnificent barrier island off of Savannah. And nice. that's where I discovered Yopon a little over 10 years ago. Cool. So, um, Lori and I, as I was saying, went, uh, were hosted um, for a weekend on Osaba Island. It's about a 20,000 acre barrier island just off of Savannah. Wow. That's one of the most beautiful maritime forests I've ever seen. And it's basically been in uh, one family's hands for many years. I don't know what year, maybe the 1940s or 50s family, I think from Detroit, the West family, the Tory family, bought the island and used it as kind of a hunting reserve. And one of the daughters of the family, Sandy West, who, by the way, passed away at 108 a week or two ago. Mm. And she created really a neat environment of artists and research on the island. And now that she's passed on, the state of Georgia will be taking over the island. Make a long story short, um, Sandy used to host... um, charity events every year to support the island's research and different endeavors and they would typically have a charity auction and uh, uh, two people you know Kevin Ryan and Meredith Sutton Mm. uh, won a hosted weekend on Asaba with a naturalist and they invited us to join them I think we started sharing the cost over the years because we kept going back. But on that initial trip, uh, John Crawfish Crawford, who's a legend in in this area for all things coastal and natural, uh, he was affiliated. affiliated. He just retired from UGA, the Marine Center out at Skidaway Island, and just an encyclopedia of information and a wonderful person. And... He was kind of our guide uh, that weekend on the island, and um, we had kids with us too, so it was just a blast going through the woods, the beaches, and learning about the different ecology in the area. And um, while we were walking through the woods, uh, Crawfish said, this is the Yopon tree. Hmm. And he started explaining the Native American use as a medicinal plant, as a tea, and I was absolutely captivated. As soon as he started talking, I welled up and knew that my life had changed, that Mm. I was going to be with Yopon for the rest of my life. So he continued to talk about it. We asked some questions. He talked about Yopon as a stimulating tea that was drunk by the Native Americans. And by the way, Asaba, in the original Native tongue, uh, the, the, the tribe was, and I always butcher the name, and get it mixed up with Gala. Gala are the um, coastal African culture, whereas mm-hmm. the Native American population on Asaba, if I pronounce if I pronounce this right, was Gale. Oh, uh, Gala, Gwale, Gwale, something like that. I've mm-hmm. never really had that pronunciation correct. 
Anyway, in their language, Asaba means land where the yopon grows. Wow. And we we think that was where it was cultivated as well. Not just wild, but it was cultivated. And again, being such a sacred plant, used as a daily beverage, a tea, a stimulating drink, it was also a ceremonial drink. So cultivating it, they were probably... Um, emphasizing some of the characteristics of the plant that they wanted through cultivation. Um, maybe it was the caffeine, maybe it was a theobromine, maybe it was some of the other constituents they were enhancing uh, because in the wild, what the Native American population knew that we pretty much lost was what the plant does in different environments, different growing mm. conditions, different shades, different soils, different adjunct uh, plants around it. They understood which ones to, for the shaman, or the medicine man, I shouldn't say shaman, medicine man to smoke, mm-hmm. um, which one would regulate women's menstrual cycles in the tribe, which ones for your daily drink, which ones for the ceremony, the black drink ceremony. They knew the difference in the plant because they lived with them and they were in the wild right. for so long. And we've lost a lot of that, and that's part of what I'm trying to recreate, that knowledge base, any way Yay. I can. Yeah. So we've broken that chain of information, like a lot of ancient cultures, whether it's Ayurvedic in, in India or the Chinese herbal tradition, those have been passed down. We're, we kind of broke that chain. I don't want to go into that whole story, but the native population was, for the most part, moved away right. from the southeast region uh, to Indian country, and that chain was broken. So there's a big interest now to kind of understand and reclaim that knowledge yeah part of what you're doing too yes a lot of what you're doing so anyway that that uh, we 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 learned about the tree on Osaba island and he was talking about the tea that was consumed and i just said well, let's make some <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's too obvious let's make some right so we picked some leaves and we uh we made some that night at the campfire and as i tell people the reason it was so remarkable to me, other than the fact, and I'll go back for a second, when I was a young kid growing up in New England, I was fascinated with Native culture. Just mm. read a lot of books on it. I'm talking back when I was probably 7 to, to 11, maybe mm-hmm. 12. Yeah. I would go to the library and read whatever I could in terms of handed down stories. And they were wild. I mean, they were wild stories. Yeah, And I was just captivated by it. But that sort of Passion went dormant. It just I always had it, I knew it, mm-hmm. and I always thought about it, but I wasn't pursuing anything in that to nurture that those those that passion I had. So when I said I welled up when he t- started talking about the tree, that that whole you know passion reemerged yeah. about the plant. Well, about native culture, but the plant right. was the stimulus. Yeah, and um, um, so. <laughs> We'll just take a quick break because I want to take a minute to thank my patrons for supporting the podcast and making it happen and tell all of you, if you're not patrons already, if you would like to support the production of this podcast so it can keep going, you can do that at patreon.com slash the wander school and you can get really cool bonus materials like the bonus interview that Lou and I are going to do as soon as we're finished here. And that will be on his super interesting research that he's doing 
growing Yopon with a grant from the USDA. So some experimental research that's going on that you can hear all about when we nerd out in that interview and lots of other cool ongoing botanical education comes with Patreon as well. So um, I don't think you mentioned yet, Lou, but what is Yopan's claim to fame right now? What is the one main thing that I feel like most people focus on that sets it apart from any other plant in the United States? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> and that's um, it's interesting because there are so many parts of this plant that have mm. yet to be discovered or rediscovered, I should say. But I would say it's an easy marketing thing to say it's the only native source of caffeine in mm-hmm. North America. That would be kind of a low-hanging fruit in terms of getting someone to, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so I, when we do that, uh, unfortunately, you know, we're, we're, we're not really completely focused on caffeine. That does get people's attention, but I think the medicinal part, parts of this plant are really where the story is leading. Um, we can also say it's the it's in the Ilex family mm-hmm. of holly, so it is related. It's the American cousin plant to yerba mate, as well as guayusa, two South American cousins. Um, I like to say we have the smallest leaves of the holly trinity, uh-huh. uh, but the most magic. Yeah, and I, I love haven't that. proven that yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> I just like saying it. Yeah, I really love that. Okay, so to go on with the story, what happened? You went on that trip, and then where did it go after that? So, yeah, so we picked the leaves, and we mm-hmm. roasted them, and then after dinner, we were sitting around the campfire, and we were consuming some adult beverages, <laughs> and I can say probably more than I should have, uh, <laughs> but we still drank the tea uh-huh. while we were drinking, and I remember feeling the tea, even though I was also feeling the liquor. Uh-huh. And I, that that made a, a note in my mind. I said, "Wow, that's, there's something to that. If I can feel that the way I'm feeling it, feeling good, and it, I'm not sure it was just the caffeine. It was probably a few other things." But I said, "Okay, note to self: look into this plant real quick." Yeah. So when we finished that weekend and I got back to the mainland, I went into total research mode, finding mm-hmm. anything and everything I could in, in about the plant, whether the ethnohistory, the ethnobotany, the research, whatever I could find, I was absolutely a, a terror. Yeah, and I, I have to say, I feel like I could be wrong, but to me, seeing just in the binders that you've collected, how many binders do you have now? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. Good question. 12, Probably 15. Between 12 and 15. Yeah. The big binders, though. I'll show you again. It's grown since you were here last. Yeah, I bet. I just feel like at this point, you're probably one of the top Yopan researchers around in the world. I hope so. Yeah, I think so. hope so. And, and would welcome anyone else to join them. The yeah. Because um, we do want to understand the plant as profoundly as possible. Definitely. And I, you know, it's important to me with the nonprofit work that I do to always give credit where credit is due to the Native Americans who, of course, were the first ones to know about Yopan. And so ensure that some of the research that you're doing is that ethnobotanical research, if you can find it. Is there much around still? 
Yeah, there is. There's a fair amount of information um, from a lot of the earliest settlers mm -hmm. who documented some of the interaction with the native population they encountered. Yeah. Uh, in Florida, uh, the Carolinas, Georgia, uh, mostly, some Mississippi. So Louisiana. it was multiple tribes, right? Yeah, it was ubiquitous amongst almost all the tribes. I mean, it's harder to find a tribe that didn't consume it in one way or another, blend it in one way or another. Wow. Um, it was pretty much the sacred plant of the Southeast. In fact, it was even traded. This is why I say it may have been the most sacred plant in North America, although there are some absolutely amazing botanicals and herbs. And on our continent, I can't find one that was given so many alkylades and names. <laughs> oh, that's our cat grabbing your microphone. <laughs> And her name is Kite. Yes. <laughs> Not Kitty, Kite. <laughs> so Yopon just seems to have been put on this uh, tall altar. It was um, called the Beloved Tree, Asi, the Purifier. And each tribe had a different name, but it was basically um, really considered the most sacred plant because of all the ceremonies that were surrounding it. They had a black drink ceremony. They had a white drink ceremony. Um, there were... It was traded to tribes outside of the region, mm -hmm. um, as far away as Michigan, Minnesota. It was probably the northeast and further west, and it was sort of uh, traded for items that the coastal tribes didn't have for for Yopon. And it was they were actually traders for this plant. It was in fact even traded to the Mayans for cacao. Oh, another wow. plant. So at our tea shop, by the way, we do a cacao Yopon ceremony. So they both contain theobromine, mm -hmm. both sacred plants, and in southern Illinois at the Cahokia Mound settlement, mm -hmm. in ancient earthenware, they found residue of cacao in Yopon. Whoa! And that's how they realized this was being traded. And by the way, it makes the best drink like, like hot chocolate you've ever had, but it's cacao and yopon, and you feel the medicinal property of it. So wow. my suspicion is it was blended with other things. Right. Um, that was probably a common drink, but they probably experimented with adding mushrooms or whatever the local herbs or botanicals were. They probably, I mean, the native tribes were alchemists. They knew the plant so well that mm -hmm. the stuff that you're doing. So, so yeah, Yopana cacao would probably have been a good base drink, and they, it was probably blended. Nice. Yeah, and we, we love selling Yopana cacao. It's a beautiful <laughs> drink. Yeah, definitely. In fact, part of our mission is, again, trying to educate people about this amazing ethno-history of Yopan. So we actually commissioned um, Mayan artisans in Chiapas to replicate that earthenware that was found in Cahokia. And when we do our ceremony in the tea shop, we use that old style party. You're drinking out of the cup. <laughs> That's a Cahokia cup. Nice. Um, and um, we also sell those. Uh, it helps our kind of our mission of educating people about the native traditions of this plant. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. We're, we're, we give credit. Part of our mission is to pay homage to that knowledge, that profound knowledge the Native Americans had. Yes. Uh, people had for this plant, and we just hope to do it right. You know, we are not seeking any advice, but if it, you know, comes our way, we are wide open for any kind of exchange of information. Awesome. So, yeah, they, uh, 
they're kind of a big part of our mission. Yeah. And we do have an association with the American Indian College Fund, so we've been, uh, that's been one of our charities for a long time because I think it's all about education. Yes, and I talk about that a lot, especially lately, um, acknowledgement and reciprocity. That's what it's all about. And hopefully my Cherokee friends are going to be making some special salve with Yopon awesome. for the tea house. Oh, that'd be great. So, Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about the black drink and what that is and what it's about? Sure. So, um, Yopon was referred to as the black drink, um, primarily because it's very dark when the native population, the indigenous people made Yopon, it was typically really dark. So the black drink, uh, name actually was a European name for the black drink, but it was adopted after that pretty wildly. Pretty simple. It's dark. Mm-hmm. It's, it looks like a black drink. Black, it's called black drink. Yeah. Um, and the so it was called generally the black drink. It was also called Cassina or Cassine. Mm-hmm. So the nomenclature of Yopon is a whole other deep dive down a rabbit hole of uh, the botanical names, the the common names. It was really it's really an interesting story that would pro- probably take going to another time. <laughs> yeah, but I was just reading the article that you have in the shop in Herbalgram, which is a great magazine put out by the American Botanical Council. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was so interesting talking about how the Latin has changed and its current Latin name that turns some people off, which is Ilex Vomitoria. Because of the black drink, right? Yeah, my my mission is to take a negative and make a positive out of it. Awesome. So there's a, a couple reasons why Yopon probably went out of favor mm-hmm. um, from 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 the period when the Native American population was generally moved out of the southeast through the colonial period into modern day south. Although if you run into a older southerner, chances are their parents um, or they themselves would know what casino was. Oh yeah, we used to drink oh, that. Wow. Um, and back up to the 1970s, it was actually sold on Ocracoke Island in wow. Ocracoke on uh, yeah on the on the Barry Island of North Carolina. Um, I think the was a Pony restaurant or something uh, on the Island Pony on in Ocracoke actually sold it all the way up to the 1970s. Um, but the black drink, a lot of people um, associate with the black drink ceremony. Mm-hmm. And that was a very sophisticated, uh, sacred ceremony that was performed by Native Americans. So different tribes all had a little different version of it, but it was basically a purification ceremony. Mm-hmm. And some of the earliest um, colonial writings basically said it was prepared before big events. And um, it was meant to prepare oneself for the debate that they were about to have. And the language is interesting because debate could be a tribal council, could be a, 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 a war, a battle, a sporting event, um, anything. It was just they wanted to better debate whatever that challenge was in front of them. So without going too much into the, the, the physical part of the ceremony, um, there was fasting involved. Um, the yopon was made into a, a really strong drink. And 
different tribes blended different herbs, whatever was near and dear to them, they would probably put in that drink. Um, and it was consumed by the men, mm-hmm. uh, starting with the chief down. There was a hierarchy to it. And it was chanting. So they would consume, as it says in early writings, copious amounts. They were gorging themselves with, uh, with the black drink or yopon mm-hmm. drink while they were chanting. And the chanting went something like, um, Yehola, Yehola, Yehola. Um, and in fact, the earliest settlers thought they found the lost tribe of Israel. <laughs> because they thought they were saying Yehovah. It oh, wasn't wow. Yehovah. It may have sounded like <laughs> that. But there's something physiological about the, well, there's a lot physiological about the fasting, the drinking, the chanting, and um, the caffeine and the constituents in the drink um, would have brought whoever was partaking it into a different place. Mm-hmm. And when they, when the, the individuals doing the ceremony would recover, they felt strengthened. They felt mm-hmm. both body, mind, and spirit. And it was all about harmony, getting back into harmony with what nature provides. So there's a lot going on there. We we know a little. We don't know a lot. Um, yeah. And honestly, I, I kind of steer away from that part of the story because there is a you know religious sensibility to it. Um, it's hard not to talk about it because it was such a big part of the story. Maybe we all should be doing something like that. I don't yeah. know. But we'll let the natives tell that story any way they want. Yeah. Um, but it is a it is a part of the story. And it's, Definitely. Uh, so based on that ceremony, and the reason why it's important to the story, since you brought up botanical name, um, the botanical name for Yopan is Ilex vomitoria, because mm-hmm. in that ceremony, there was a great deal of vomiting going on. And research has proven there's nothing emetic in Yopan. There's nothing in Yopan that makes one vomit or purge. Purging is not the proper word, but vomit. Um, it was a desired part of the ceremony. Mm-hmm. So it got its name, Ilex Vomitoria, by a botanist, a Scottish botanist named William Aton. And there's a theory. And the theory is that the uh, Ceylon Tea Companies, East India Tea Companies, the English trading companies, feared Yopan's rising popularity in the New World where they wanted to sell their teas and their coffees. And they couldn't control the supply because it was wild. Mm-hmm. So, again, theory is that William Aton was really under the employ of one of the trading companies and gave Yopon kind of a bad name uh, wow. to try to scuttle it. They wanted to scuttle its popularity because at that time, the English called it Carolina tea, the Spanish called it Indian chocolate, the mm-hmm. French called it Appalachian because the Appalachian Indians taught them about it. And and they were sending it back to Europe in Muslim bags, and they attributed the well-being at that time before diseases and things took took hold. Uh, The the general well-being, health, and stature of the native population to this drink. Mm -hmm. So it was gaining in popularity. Um, So, I mean, that's a theory. Uh, that we like telling because it actually um, does have some support because you know how the Indian tea industry started. 
the same companies um, wanted to control uh, Camellia sinensis, the tea trade in China, mm-hmm. and that wasn't going to happen. Uh, the Chinese just weren't having that. So uh, th- this is documented, I think, on National Public Radio as well as other places, but the trading companies hired another Scottish botanist uh, whose last name was Fortune to go to China and steal all the secrets of tea making and seeds, etc. of of Camellia sinensis and they took whatever he brought back and started the tea planting industry in India. Again, with the goal of controlling supply and in the context of the time, tea was rising in popularity in England and around world so it was it was, a, it was a commodity play wow. so it gives our story a little kind of <laughs> credence I guess yeah um, but there's other reasons why Yopan may have fell out of favor one being which we've already mentioned that the native population who had the best understanding of the plant were really uh, relocated to the Indian country in the West Again, another story another time and also um, the European trading companies succeeded in making their teas kind of like the social norm. So Yopan may have fallen out of favor because it was readily available in the woods, poor people could drink it, so social norms may have dictated high English tea mm. as the, the, the social status tea at the time. Um, so that's, that's it's probably a little bit of everything, but yeah. those are kind of the things we look at. Gotcha. Well, the more that I read and research about Yopan, the more it starts to seem kind of like a panacea, <laughs> like it's good for everything. So do you want to talk for a minute about the constituents and benefits? Uh, sure. So, you know, a lot of research uh, has not been done on on Yopan. Now, if you look at Yeramate, the South American con- uh, uh, cousin plant, there's 40 years of interesting literature, mm. a lot of which does apply to Yopan because they are close. But Yopan's different. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm focusing on trying to look at some different parts of the plant that may not be easily explained mm-hmm. um, in research done by either Guayusa or, or Yeramate. Um, so, you know, Lori just wrote a little blog for our one of our social media platforms, I don't know, about Yopan as an adaptogen. And I think oh. she's right. I think, uh, wow. I think she's absolutely right. For example, it has caffeine, but Native Americans used it to go to sleep. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that seems to be an adaptive quality that it can find, you know, what your body needs and, and balance and regulate it. So um, I've never heard anyone say Yopan kept them up. In fact, mm-hmm. I did hear that by one person and as we got a little deeper into what happened, it wasn't the Yopan. It was she was jacked up on some project. She was off and <laughs> sleep, but she wanted to blame it on the Yopan. She tried it again, and she fell asleep wonderfully. So, yeah. um, so you know, the benefits are, are, are varied. So the first kind of channel of benefits I look at is the energy profile, mm-hmm. which makes Yopan unique and wonderful uh, because... Frankly speaking, the reason it was probably first considered such a sacred plant is it has caffeine, and that's a stimulant. And you know, human beings, just like animals, will always default to a stimulant if it's available. Right. Um, so it had that difference from all the other herbs and botanicals around. Um, 
But the caffeine pathway is really interesting. I think, you know, we need to look more into it because you do have caffeine, which is, you know, the, um, um, it crosses the brain-blood barrier. One of the few things that, uh, maybe the only thing that does that. So your entire body is stimulated. But then in that pathway, you have theobromine, which um, only stimulates soft muscle tissue in your body. So it modulates that possible spike from the caffeine. Um, it's another alkaloid. And then you have theophylline, which the way I kind of describe theophylline in the, that pathway is it kind of is like putting new oil in your car. You have all that nice energy, and maybe as a bronchial dilator, that helps all that energy run smoothly, like two mm. pistons. Um, that's my way of looking at it, and I may be right or wrong, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, and then there's theocrine, which may be the most interesting in that pathway. Theocrine, I call the stamina compound. Um, and by the way, everything we learn about this plant as we go into the research validates what the Native Americans used it for. Mm. They would use it on long hunts to suppress their appetite if there wasn't food, but also uh. give them stamina. So theocrine, there's a company out in California that synthesizes theocrine for the sports nutrition market because um, it is the stamina drug. It actually, and some of the words I'm going to use, I'm not sure I'm saying them right, but theocrine actually fools your antistamine receptors into saying you're not tired. In other words, if you're Mentally fatigued, if you're running, for example, but there's more energy stored in your body, mm -hmm. it'll overrule what's in your mind, your mental mm. fatigueness, and say, you have more energy, keep going. Kind of how it works. So it's a really interesting compound, and it really complements that pathway. So, you know, most people looking at bioactive compounds now are saying, yeah, you can extract one, but will it work as well without all its accompanying, you know, constituents? It will work, but maybe not as well. So I just think that pathway is a beautiful energy profile that is different than caffeine and coffee. And particularly for an aging population, mm -hmm. I think caffeine's really hard. I'm one of those people. It's Caffeine is hard. I mean, I drink it because I love it, but uh -huh. when I do Yopon consistently and cut out the coffee, I feel amazing. If I could just do that all the time, discipline myself, I'd probably be a happy camper. But, <laughs> so the caffeine pathway is an interesting uh, place to look. The other research that we're starting to look at is are the saponins or saponins. Mm, I know yes. people say it both ways. Right. I don't know which is right. I just saponins <laughs> rolls off my tongue, so that's what I'm gonna say. Um and saponins are kind of new focus in research. And yeah. we don't know yet if the saponins in Yopon are part of an existing uh, complex of saponins or totally new, Ooh. but very, very interesting. So I think the saponins um, are, are really responsible for some of the interesting uh, in vitro studies coming out. Years ago, the University of Florida did an in vitro study that showed um, um, saponins protecting colon cells from carcinogens. Wow. Saponins are known as an possible anti-carcinogens. Um, there's also a study that came out of Stetson University, uh, Professor Crowder, I believe her name was, and she actually did a fundraiser for her research, which was kind of cool. And she used Yopon extract, and she bombarded uh, leukemia-infected cells with extract, Yopon extract. 
and the cell death rate among leukemia infected cells was 100%, and the death rate among among the healthy cells, I think, was zero. Double what? check that, but I think it was zero. So there's so much to look into with this plan, wow. and that's why I'm networking with different labs around the country to kind of talk about these things in this plant that really justify further study. Yeah. So the saponins also uh, for, uh, you know, we have where um, I have some friends in the tribe in Oklahoma. And as you know, among the native tribes right now, diabetes is an issue. Yes, it is. So uh, some of my friends, as well as the chief, have been drinking Yopon and it's been regulating their blood sugar pretty well. Again, needs to be looked into more closely because it's known as a possible, you know, sugar regulator, uh, blood sugar regulator. Yes. Um, you know, there's a there's several different articles coming out about the Ilex family of plants in general, being neuroprotectors, anti-diabetic, mm. healthy heart, cholesterol reduce, all those things. So, yeah. Um, you know, I have, happen to think as the sapin is doing a lot of it, but um, you know, yeah, organic acids, other things going on with the plant. Um, yeah, and those saponins are really nice for topical use, too. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> so at the Yopon Tea House and Apothecary, we have an amazing line of clean beauty, skin and beauty products, mm. uh, including your salve. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing. Thank uh, you. So there again, I mean, that's a good example of our mission. So right. we want to truly and better understand the ancient applications of the plant. Again, among the native peoples of the southeast, mm. they understood the plan and what it did um, and what it could do. So our goal is to try to understand those applications and combine that with the research we're doing to validate some of the benefits we're talking about and then come up with products for modern day consumers that pay homage to those two things. That's mm. our mission in a, in a nutshell, um, in a conch shell. <laughs> uh, in a whelk shell. I was going to uh, say, in a whelk shell. So, I mean, that's that's kind of what we're doing. We we just love, we're passionate about this, and we're, we don't have all the answers. We're trying to figure it out. We need help. I mean, we're doing yeah. it, but we, you know, we're just a small company trying to figure this thing out. Yeah. Well, I'm excited because we just talked yesterday about getting some cold-tolerant plants to the Cherokee and they're already excited about that. So yeah, so there's two ways we can do it. Depending on you know how many they want, we can mm -hmm. just do propagation from cuttings. Oh. But we also have tissue culture propagation for larger wow. volumes when people want big volumes of of, of cuttings or liners. Um, yeah, we can do that too. That's so exciting because you are growing a lot of yopon, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, we have two two Yopon farms. So mm -hmm. the first farm I'll talk about is the one in Georgia, mm -hmm. not too far from Savannah. It's also our family bug out place. Yeah. Fifteen year old son who just can't get enough of it. He just is typically in the woods, and there's one way to keep him off his phone. If there are woods around, he's fine. If he's sitting at the house in downtown Savannah, <laughs> he defaults to his phone. So we get right. him out there as much as possible, and he's quite an outdoorsman. Nice. So that particular farm is um, the total acreage is around 200, 200 and Neat. yeah, so over 200. And I planted 10,000 Yopon plants for a small business innovation research grant from the USDA. We were awarded a few years ago. Nice. So we did phase one. 
showed some promising results, and we were awarded phase two, which was about $658,000. Wow. And it goes fast, and it doesn't yeah. go to me. It goes to everybody else. <laughs> right. Um, but it's really great because with that research, we're learning how to best grow it yeah. for yields, for phytochemistry. For, you know, we, we are looking to see under different growing conditions and nutrient protocols what the phytochemistry does. Yeah. So, you know, eventually, eventually if we decide, okay, the saponins are interesting and mm-hmm. this particular, you know, constituent within that complex is interesting, do we have enough to, to either extract or to use it to benefit from it and, and how? So those yeah. are the things I'm working on is trying to enhance the things I think are the, the best for the health and wellness market. Yeah. Um, caffeine is relatively easy to manipulate, mm. uh, but there's also theobromine. You know, right. That could be more interesting than caffeine. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so there are things, part of that grant is to figure out, you know, how to grow it organically, how to increase yields, how to increase increase the desired uh, constituents that we buy. Cool. And we will be talking more about that in our bonus interview. Oh, yeah. So okay. check go. it out. Patreon.com slash the Wander School. You can join for as little as five bucks a month and support podcasts so we can keep doing this. Super. <laughs> the other farm I'll tell you about is down in Florida in the Panhandle. Mm-hmm. And um, that's about 300 acres. And it's a longleaf tree farm where Yopon is growing wild. And that's really where most of our production is coming from right now. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting because just by doing what we're doing, we've kind of created this magical regenerative agricultural model. Great. That we really intend to manage that land for the yopon, not for the trees, uh-huh. because the longleaf is a native tree that really needs to make a comeback. It, the longleaf pine you're yeah, talking about? It's an yeah, incredible tree. It has a story in and of itself that's just mind-boggling. It's it, there used to be a hundred million trees in the southeast, but down to three million or something like that. Wow. I don't know the exact numbers, but it created the most diverse ecosystem in North America. It was just an incredible tree. Yeah. So we really love that part of it of replanting the native longleaf. And by managing it for the Yopon, um, we can eliminate some of the bad environmental practices that are typical mm. in timber management. Yeah. Like herbiciding and mm-hmm. um, and burning. So right now we've done none of that, don't intend to and don't expect to. So it's really a beautiful environmental, sustainable, regen type program. Nice. And I would be lying if I said that was the plan at the outset. It just kind of made <laughs> sense while we're doing it. Yeah. And we kind of realized, wow, this is super neat. Yeah. So do you have plans to have the those be demonstration sites? I do. Yeah, yeah because part of our grant process is to uh, recruit farmers to grow yopon. Oh, wow. And we just don't want to do it until we're ready mm-hmm. to share the information because a lot of it's ongoing. The grant has about another year. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that they succeed if they're going to make a choice because it's a long-term project. It's not like a row crop that you plant if it peanuts and it doesn't come up and do something else. It's, right. You're kind of committed to Yopon, and it, it, it makes an incredible plant. It's hardy, it's frost-resistant, it's pest-resistant. You know, the caffeine's kind of a theobromine, and natural mm. pesticide, so it's drought-resistant, too. It's a beautiful plant. 
Yeah, it is a beautiful plant. I love walking around Savannah. It's like the more I walk here, the more I see it just everywhere in people's yards and mm -hmm. as an ornamental popping up through the sidewalk. You know, it is pretty hardy. Yeah, well, it's telling people I'm here. Yeah, it is. It's letting people know the plant has its own sort of um, trajectory right now. It's, 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 it's definitely happening. Yeah. I I'll give you a that. quick story if you want to hear it. Yeah, that. I love stories. So, um, Peter Broadhead is, he just sold it, but he owned Brighter Day Health Food Store here. Oh, Savannah I didn't know for, he sold for, it. For years and years, um, forever. And he's just yeah. an incredible herbalist and, and guy. I think you probably met him over the years. Yeah. Him and his wife, Jane, ran that store since, gosh, since the 70s, I think. Mm -hmm. So they were just ready to, you know, sit back and try to do something else. I think consult and maybe. Mm -hmm pursue his line of medicinal uh, products, which are incredible. Yeah. Pete's immune is something we have in the house all the time. Whenever nice. we feel a little off, mm -hmm. a few drops under the tongue, and it works. Um, anyway, when I first, I was the first to bottle Yopan, and I brought it to him and asked Peter, I said, Peter, would you consider selling this drink? He goes, Yopan? The American Mate, sure I will. We wanted to do this in the 70s. So I wish you had. Yeah, right. <laughs> Save me the trouble. Um, anyway, I said, absolutely. So he was the first to put it on his, his shelf. Oh. And Peter, because of his product line of medicinal uh, tinctures, mm -hmm. he has a medicinal plant circle in his yard. And be, because it was such a big deal that Brighter Day picked up Yopon, because a lot of big stores, look at innovative stores like that who curate interesting products to see what the trends are. Mm -hmm. So Lori and I called Peter and Jane up and said, hey, let's go out to dinner. We just want to thank you for taking on Yopon. That's, you know, something out of the blue. So we went to dinner. We had a wonderful time at dinner. We need to do it again. We haven't done it quite a long time. But at dinner, and we were pretty well into the, the vino, um, <laughs> Peter said, you know, a strange thing happened. I said, what's that? He goes, you know, the day I put you on the shelf, I went home that day to water my medicinal herb garden. And guess what? I go, what? He goes, a yopon sprouted up right in the middle. <laughs> wow. And I said, Peter, wait a minute. What do you mean by middle? And he shook his head. <sighs> the exact center. Wow. He said, yopon is announcing itself to the rest of the medicinal plants that it's my time. Oh, I love that story. True. Yeah. Totally believe in all of that. <laughs> That's amazing. Love it. Yeah, Thank you for cool. sharing that. So, wow, so much. So fantastic. Um, what what is your dream, your mission, your purpose with starting the tea house? Well, we'd like to grow our product line while educate people about this plant. It's really all about the plant. Mm -hmm. And we just think there's a thirst in, Literally. in the world right now <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, for things authentic. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to tell people, your pond's as real as dirt. That's an old <laughs> expression, old sign expression. And it really is. It's just that great. So... We just want to, like I said earlier, uh, do right by the plant and ushering it in in this new form and these products. We want really high quality health and wellness products that work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we see the, the vision of the store, going back for a second. So my wife, Lori, is this uh, badass real estate person. Mm-hmm. And she has an incredible um, business acumen, mm-hmm. very successful, but she also has, I consider her a natural healer, maybe like you. <laughs> and she does have this herbalist side and maybe her Native American uh, DNA. Mm-hmm. We don't know. But it was a way for me to get her more involved <laughs> 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 because she's the secret weapon. She's just amazing. She is. And I think it's also a, a, a place she likes to be. Mm-hmm. And so with her help, we opened the store thinking, let's just, you know, create some cool products. We know enough about this plant now to kind of execute our mission, mm-hmm. ancient use, modern science, modern products, um, and just kind of have fun with it. Plus, we had the coolest little space available yeah. next to her shop, which mm-hmm. is you know, walking distance can't be late for work. Yeah. Um, so it just made sense. It looks like a tea house. And, yeah. you know, I key, I kind of focus on the apothecary side mm-hmm. more. Um, I think that's just a really, really interesting market, uh, the clean beauty side, as well as herbal tea blends and things. But the vision was to just see what happens, see what, follow the plant, see what, what we can do. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really have a, any specific blueprint. Just let's make some products, see how it goes. We have the space. Yeah. And it's been growing. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And you have a line of teas, mm-hmm. right? In tea bags. Mm-hmm. And bulk. And bulk. And um, your sodas, which are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Natural, healthy sodas. And... Good for all kinds of things mixed with herbs for brain function and immunity. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, the line of skin products. There's just so incense. much. Don't forget incense. Incense. And no pun incense. Yeah, that is amazing. I smelled that this morning. It? It's oh, fantastic. Absolutely. And now the kombucha, too. Yeah, we haven't quite uh, gotten to the point where we can bottle it or can it mm-hmm. we just we do sell it in the shop um, yeah and we have people who are diehards that come in for it but we do yeah. want to eventually uh roll out kind of a, a shelf ready product yes it's fantastic and that's who's making that the kombucha well um the company is uh, Bucci kombucha in Asheville. we're mm-hmm. up in your neck of the woods yeah and um we're trying to maintain that they continue to use yopon in it yeah, um, they're growing at a, a rate where they kind of have to systemize certain things. So right. there's an unknown there. So one way or another, we'll have our Yopon kombucha because it makes oh. Yopon makes incredible kombucha. Yeah, and kombucha does too. Yeah, I mean they're the real deal. Yeah, it's pretty wonderful. <laughs> um, so I know there's even more health benefits. You were talking about it being a bronchodilator, right? So for things like asthma, it has been shown to be helpful. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably the theophylline. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, immune supporting benefits mm-hmm. and brain support. Yeah, we need to again do more. Um, that particular um, support is 
basically attributed to the Ilex family of plants. Oh, okay. So no one has really dove into it mm -hmm. on Yopon specific, but the Ilex family is now to, and I have papers on that. Cool. Any of your reader or followers or people want to see it, I can share yeah. that kind of stuff. It's in one of those 15 binders. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So yeah, so, so many wondrous, magical things about Yopon. It's just an incredible plant. Oh, we have Yopon honey too. Oh, yeah, that is really so, good. A lot of people don't realize Yopon, the plant is dioecious, so the male and female both flower, so it's mm. an incredible pollinator. I know the vegans don't like honey, but we have a mission to be pollinating, and it makes truly an amazing honey, and yeah. that's what we sweeten our drinks with. Nice. So, sorry vegans, um, <laughs> maybe join our side of the <laughs> It is so good, though. I love the honey. I love all of it. Well, this has been an incredible interview. Lou, is there anything else that you think is important that you would like to share before we go? Get your yoke on. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> and I do love that it's so prolific wild too. You know, I started foraging Yopon just a little bit before I met you guys. So it is, the more you start looking for it, the more you'll see it. I've definitely found it on the coast of North Carolina into a larger area in South Carolina. And then you come here and it's just everywhere. So in Georgia. So yeah, a fantastic native plant and... I'm so glad that you do have that acknowledgement of where it comes from and what the Native people have done with it and do with it and you're giving back and hopefully we're creating this relationship with the Cherokee now. So it's it's all just really exciting. And the plan is at the end of February to take a walk at the farm. So oh, lots of good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I want to just say thank you so much for being thank you. here. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, just a reminder, support the work on Patreon at patreon.com slash thewonderschool. Lou and I are about to record a bonus interview all about the experimental research he's doing with Yopon on his farms through a USDA grant. And so check that out. Support the work. Thank you so much for being here. Happy wandering, foraging, and wildcrafting. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. Don't forget to check the show notes for all of the links from today's episode. Thanks so much to Tina and her pony for the use of their beautiful song, Medicine. I love hearing from all of you, so please leave me your comments. And if you like what you've heard, Please rate and review this podcast and share with folks you know. You can keep learning and following my adventures on thewanderschool.com and the Wanderschool Facebook and Instagram pages. Happy wandering, foraging, and wildcrafting. Come on, everyone, and gather around. Listen to the soothing in this sound. Here to tell you that medicine Don't come from a pill, it grows in the ground The medicine we need grows all